Thank you all. Thank you. If you have your Bible tonight, we're in Matthew chapter 10. We're in verse uh, 26 and following. If you have your Bible, uh, just turn to that. We've been talking about uh, the hallmarks of discipleship for a few Sunday nights, and tonight we're going to follow up on that. Uh, This is number two. A disciple gives reverence to God and not to the world. That's uh, the title uh, of this tonight. We give reverence to God and not to the world. Uh, Let's look at the scripture. Therefore, do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light. And what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. And do not fear those who kill the body, but are unable to kill the soul. But rather fear him who is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. And not two sparrows sold for a cent. And yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from your father, but the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Therefore, do not fear. You are more value than many sparrows. Well, uh, tonight we're talking about true disciples. How do you discern uh, who is a true disciple? The true disciple of Christ not only tries to be like uh, the master, but is also not afraid of the world. Now let me ask you tonight, are you afraid of the world? We don't have a lot of torture and a lot of um, that kind of thing going on in our uh, country. Of course, some people get murdered every once in a while, but uh, I think a lot of that is in the wrong place at the wrong time. Uh, You know, if you're robbed or something like that. Um, Three times in these six verses, Jesus says, do not fear. Now, I've been afraid of a lot of things in my life. Have you? When I was a little kid, I was afraid of the darkness because I had seen the movie The Thing. Did you all see The Thing? That was the first really scary movie, The Thing. And it scared me to death, and for about four years, I thought the thing was after me. And I had to have a light on at night. It made my parents so mad that I'd leave a little light on in the closet. Jesus had told the disciples he was sending them out like sheep. Now, you remember I said uh, earlier, sheep are some of the dumbest animals in the world. They'll, if you lead them, they'll walk right off the cliff. I mean, they don't have a lick of sense. So um, uh, the sheep, he said, uh, are are like you. Uh, You're like them. And you're in the midst of the wolves. Uh, They would be tried and they would be scourged in the Jewish courts. Now, how would you like to have your boss tell you, now you're going to get whipped with a whip that has nails in it. And it's going to rip your flesh apart. That wouldn't be very good. Uh, You're going to be tried in courts because you follow me. That wouldn't be very good. You're going to be brought before governors and kings for his sake. 
and delivered up, that means given over to the jailer, in various ways, betrayed by their families, hated and persecuted by the world in general, and called satanic. That's what it says in verses 16 through 25. Now, all of those are bad. So you think now, if Jesus is trying to build up the number of disciples by saying this, that's not a good uh, tool to get people to enlist because all of that is bad. But guess what? That's what Jesus says. It's not all going to be good. Now, I know Norman Vincent Peale never said that, but it's not all going to be good. Some of it's going to be very difficult. Uh, We are warned in Proverbs that the fear of man brings a snare. Chapter 29, verse 25. There is a fear of what people may think, what people may say, what people may do. Uh, It has strangled the testimonies of a lot of people. Have you ever gotten up to say something and then you noticed somebody was there and you didn't say what you were going to say because that particular person was there? Has that ever happened to you? It's happened to me. I remember uh, once I was preaching a sermon in Dallas and Mary Kay Ash was a member of our church of Mary Kay Cosmetics. And she was... uh, a really, really, really wealthy lady. She told me one time that she had, this is a long time ago, she told me that uh, she had to give $300,000 a year to the church because uh, it was a tax thing. She said, so y'all just decide, you know, what you want it for and I'll give it. And I remember one Sunday I was preaching and she was sitting out there and I was talking about being showy. You know, how it wasn't really Christian to be showy. Well, you know, she had all those pink Cadillacs. And my mind was going in about three directions as I was preaching. Now, does she think I'm preaching to her? You know, and I, I, I don't know if you've ever been in that uh, shape, but uh, I was on that particular occasion. Um, you know, the, the fear of what will happen slows us down sometimes. It uh, might hinder uh, our service even in the Lord's name. Human nature wants to uh, avoid problems and conflicts, uh, things particularly that might bring ridicule to us or hardship to us. People naturally don't want to be thought uh, of as being mistreated. They don't want to be... accosted by verbal tirades, things like that. And even less, do they want to suffer and die? But these are the things that Jesus is saying will happen to those that are disciples of his. That's what happens. Uh, It's happening over in other parts of the world today. There are thousands and thousands of people that are being slaughtered just because they're Christians. Uh, the murderers come up to a group of people and say, can you say this particular part of the Koran? And if they can't say it, they kill them right on the spot and just kill them. I mean, we're living in an unbelievable age 
where there are more people being killed because there's Christ, because they're Christians today than at any other time in history. We think, well, all that happened a long time ago. No, there's more going on today than there ever has been before. Uh, Christians who have fallen prey to today's great emphasis on self-preservation. And, of course, that's uh, most of us. Uh, I think I told you one time that Cindy and I have a friend that has $20,000 a year for plastic surgery. Uh, that's, that's how much she kind of allots herself every year uh, to have that kind of work done. Uh, I mean, she's really trying to preserve herself. Uh, if you find it especially difficult to confront sinful society and the demands and standards of the gospel, uh, if you try and hold up those standards, you're going you're gonna to get a lot of flack. You're going to get a lot of hardship. You're going to have a lot of pain. Uh, our culture has produced an unacceptable softness among, among evangelicals. So many evangelicals today are not willing to take the hard stands and preach a hard gospel. They're just not willing to do it. They never mention some of the things that I've already mentioned uh, tonight. They never talk about any of that. But that's what Christ says in his word. It's what he says in this passage that we're looking at tonight. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, it's from the world. 1 John, 5, 1 John 2, 5 uh, says. Actually, it's 1 John 2, 15. I'm going to get it in a minute here. Every believer, like the Apostle Peter, uh, when he was out warming himself in the courtyard, you remember that scene in the Bible? Jesus is, is on trial at the very time he's out in the courtyard. People come up to him and say various things to him, and he doesn't answer truthfully. For fear of being considered foolish or backward or extremist or unsophisticated or obtrusive, he doesn't want any of that said of him, and for, and for fear. For fear that he likewise might be arrested. He likewise might have to go into that horrible prison. Because criticism, abuse, and danger would become frequent companions of the apostles, Jesus, over and over again, exhorted them not to be afraid. Have you ever been so afraid that somebody's not going to like you? I remember uh, I was 19 years old. I started pastoring my first church. And I wanted everybody in that church to like me. And if somebody didn't like me, I would go to Herculean efforts to try and get them to like me. I would take them presents. I would go by and visit them. I would do anything, you know, anything. I wanted everybody in the church to like me. You know, it's always destined that some people are not going to like you. It doesn't matter what you do. And, of course, some of them didn't like me. My second church, I got a little better. My third church, I got a little better. Um, you know, sometimes the path that we have, that we feel, feel like God has given to us, is a path 
that will cause a rub with certain people. I pastored a church in Fayetteville, Georgia. I think I've told you this story. And uh, the church started growing, and we started buying buildings, and we started knocking down buildings. And we bought property, and uh, we added to our parking lot. And there was a lot behind the church that the church owned. And on that lot, there were about a 100 of these real old oaks. I mean, huge oaks. And there were some people in that church that thought those trees were holy. And uh, I didn't. And we needed more parking. And I got a man in the church uh, who had a gigantic bulldozer. And uh, one Friday morning at daybreak, he went down there and he knocked every tree in that lot down. And everybody was mad at him, but they knew, they knew in their heart that I had gotten him to do that. And so it all eventually came home. One lady was so mad at me that she said, you know, what you have done is ungodly. It is of the devil. Uh, That is just the worst thing that you possibly could have done. You have ruined our town. You have ruined our church. Uh, you're, You're just really not a good person. I looked at her and I said, let me ask you a question. I said, do you think those trees are more important than souls? And she said, well, I'll have to think about that. That was her answer. I'll never forget that. She said, I'll have to think about that. Well, we took those stumps out. We put in a parking lot. Guess what? In about three months, the tenants was up 100. We needed more parking. You know, the, the thing that, that we've got to realize is if we're going to do the things that God has called us to do, it's going to irritate some people. And they're going to get mad. They might not like it that you say the blessing in restaurants. They might not like it that you are aggressive with your faith and every once in a while you try and kind of nudge them a little bit toward Jesus. They're not going to like that. But if we have been called by God to do those things, then we ought to do them. And the scripture says, Jesus says, don't be afraid. Stand up for the gospel. Don't be bashful about it. Let's look at verse 26 again. Then do not fear them, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed, nothing hidden that will not be known. What I tell you in the darkness, speak in the light, and what you hear whispered in your ear, proclaim upon the housetops. Believers should never be afraid of the world, because they know that God will one day vindicate them. Now, you might get killed in the process. And, you you know, you have to realize that. You might die in the process. But you will be vindicated by God in glory, and that's eternal. This down here is just very, very temporary. That is eternal. And the Lord will vindicate the witness that we gave. Although God's children will be mistreated, they will be accused of being wicked 
and even demonic, Jesus says, do not fear them. Don't fear them. That is, those who cause you trouble. For for is a is a forward word. Uh, in verse 26, it says, uh, therefore do not fear them for. It's a forward word. It gets us thinking forward. Introducing the promise that is in the end that God will make everything right. That's what's going to happen. That's coming. For God will act is what it's saying. And God will bless all truth and goodness and all falsehood and all wickedness will be seen for what it really is. All of that's going to come out. Now, one of the things that we have got to know is that, of course, all of us have sinned a lot in our life. There's no question about that. One of the things that we can do is we can, in a very sincere and, and simple way, go before the Lord and ask the Lord to forgive us of a particular sin or a particular thing or a particular habit or a particular tendency that we've had in our life. We can go before the Lord. We can ask him to forgive us of that. And, you know, if we're sincere, if our hearts are true, uh, and we ask God to forgive, then that is erased. And that is not going to be on the billboard in heaven because God is going to erase that from our past, erase that from our history, and we are going to be forgiven of it. And that's very important. Now, the emphasis, I think, that we ought to mention is is that we need to keep up to date on, on our praying. Every once in a while I talk to somebody and they say, you know, I haven't prayed in 20 years. And I say, well, brother, you're going to meet the Lord and the things that you haven't asked for forgiveness for are going to be against you. And you need to, you need to update uh, on that. You need to ask God to really, really forgive you of all the sin of your heart and life. Cindy and I pray together every night and we ask God to forgive us of our sin because we have sin in our life. You have sin in your life. And we want the Lord to, to be with us and to be helping us, to be leading us, to be guiding us. And we need to keep current in our prayer life. The world puts the best face on wickedness and the worst face on righteousness. It's always been that way. You know, I, I hate to go to movies where they portray uh, pastors as idiots and uh, morons and things like that, inconsistent, adulterous, all kinds of things. It seems like the movie people just delight in doing that because there's a whole lot of movies uh, that do it. The world's wickedness, however, will be shown for what it is. All of that that those producers do, that'll come out. That'll come out. And the believer's righteousness will be shown for what it is. You know, we have some people in our church that have been reaching out to the hams and have been ministering to them. 
And I just think that is so wonderful. We have people in our church that go by and see our shut-ins and go by and see our folks uh, in the uh, nursing homes. Brother Ed does a service on Tuesday morning at Plaza West, and he has a lot of helpers that work with him, and they've been doing that faithfully for a long time. That's a blessing that is going to be obvious to the Lord, and it's going to be a blessing that's going to come to you because you have served in such an exemplary uh, way. Why should we worry about unpopularity in this life when we know that we're going to be fully vindicated uh, in the next life. Paul calls this great coming event the revealing of the sons of God. If you've got your personal Bible, don't start writing up in the church Bibles, but if you've got your own, look at eight, uh, Romans eight nineteen. Mark that verse. That's an important verse, I think. The revealing of of the sons of God. This is also for women. Uh, If you have been serving the Lord, you've been faithful, you've been true, uh, there's going to be a revealing of that. And it's going to be a day of blessing for you because you have been faithful to the work of the Lord Jesus. Now, no one, after lighting a lamp, uh, covers it with a container. Nobody does that. Or puts it under a bed, Jesus said in Luke 8. But he puts it on a lampstand in order that it can give light to everybody that's in the house. When God gives truth to declare, the business of Christians is to make that truth known, not to hide it. If we're reading the Bible at night, uh, in the morning, or whenever, and we reach a certain passage that we think is relevant to us and a situation that we're in, if it's something that we need to do and we know it, then we need to get at it, start doing it. We we need to be about the Lord's work and not hide it. We don't want to hide. One of the things that irritates me beyond belief, in every church there are people that have great singing voices and they're not in the choir. Jim, does that make you just want to cry? It, it irritates me no end. Sometimes I'll be sitting out in the congregation and somebody around me will be singing with a great voice and I just kind of turn around and look at them and uh, every once in a while I say, you ought to be in the choir. You know, they know that. They know that. They just don't want the discipline of, of coming to practice. They don't want to be uh, hedged in in that way. Is that the only reason? It's the only one I can think of. Uh, you know, we, we need everybody that can sing well in the choir. Uh, that, that's what We have a great choir. Our music ministry is tremendous. And, and if we've got something to say, something to sing, a witness to give, we need to be doing it. That's what this passage is saying. With mock encouragement, Solomon wrote these words in Ecclesiastes 11. Rejoice, young man, during your childhood, and let your heart be pleasant during the days of young manhood. Allow the impulses of your heart and the desires of your eyes. And then he adds, he moves away from mock uh, encouragement, and he says this. Yet know that God will bring you to judgment for all of those things. 
the things that we do wrong. Unless we have asked for forgiveness for that which we've done, then we're going to be brought to judgment for it. The disciples' perspective should be God's perspective. We should see these things in life as God looks at them. And we know how God looks at them because it's in his word. It's not a secret. It's clearly written in the word of God. There are to be no secrets in Christianity. What the Lord has, in effect, revealed to us in the darkness. You see that in the text? In the darkness. We are to speak in the light. What has been whispered in our ear, we are to proclaim upon the housetops. Now, back then, in the towns, they had all flat roof houses. And if you really wanted something to be made known, they didn't have radios and TVs and telegraph and all that. They would get up on top of their house and they would yell it out. And the sound would filter down in between those flat roofs. And if you had a real strong, loud voice, that was a great way to share whatever uh, news it was that uh, you wanted to get out. Proclaim it upon the housetops. Christians are not elite defenders of man-made secrets, but they are bold proclaimers of God's truth. That's what we're supposed to be, bold proclaimers of the truth of the word of God. Secrecy is no part of the gospel. During New Testament time, Jewish rabbis would often train their students to stand up And then the rabbi would go and stand right beside them. And the rabbi would whisper in their ears, and then they would say what the rabbi had just told them. And that's the way they they trained them. What the student heard, uh, whispered, he would then speak aloud. What the Lord, in effect, has whispered in to our ears through his word. We need to speak aloud. We need to speak aloud to the world not just a select small group that we've told 500 times. We need to speak out to the world, holding nothing back. What the Lord has made known to us, we are to make known to others. In Jesus' day, the person shouting from the housetop could be heard for a great distance, Uh, official announcement, personal announcements, anything like that could be publicized by that means. The objective of shouting was to be heard by, obviously, as many people as possible. When the fullness of God's revelation is taught, the world will invariably be offended. You know, there are passages in the Bible that a lot of people don't want to hear. They just don't want to hear them. It's... uh, it's obvious why they stand accused by that passage. And nobody wants to be accused when they know they're guilty. You know, they want to go somewhere where somebody will say something real nice about them. Somebody will compliment them. Someone will say, boy" to them. Fallen man does not like to hear that he has fallen. Sinful man does not want to hear that he is going to face the reality of that sin in the judgment. 
And that's obviously true. Those are truths that Jesus and the apostles never refused to proclaim. They went right ahead. They said it. And, of course, it it got them in a lot of trouble. They had to leave certain towns very quickly. It was because they boldly taught such truth that the world rejected and then the world persecuted them. You know how many times this happened to Paul over and over and over again. He was beaten and left for dead. He was beaten on many occasions. The world shows little objection to a gospel that is only the the positive part. I'm not going to mention any names, but uh, there are some preachers on TV, on the radio, and they just talk about the real positive stuff. Uh, They only mention God's offers of peace and joy and blessing. And that's all they talk about. They don't talk about anything else. An unbeliever is not offended by those elements of the gospel. Of course, they're true too. Those things are true. God does offer those things. But he is terribly offended when he is told that he is a sinner under God's judgment and that he is going to face eternal damnation if he doesn't straighten up. Boy, they don't want to hear that. Whoa. Don't want to hear that. John 3.16 is often only partially preached and taught. That God loves the world. Everybody knows that. God sent his son to save the world. Everybody knows that. Uh, And saves everyone who believes. That's obviously true. But that's not all that's in there. There's more in there. Implicit in verse 16 and explicit in verse 18 is the truth that apart from faith, a person will perish. Will perish. And that's a part of the gospel that we need to share, that we need to tell to our family members, to your grandson, your granddaughter, your great-grandkids. You need to tell them that. We certainly don't want them to go all through life and never hear it. You know, we're held accountable if they don't know. Well, tonight, uh, tonight, if there's someone in the house that would like to come and and make a public profession of their faith. If there are some here tonight that would like to come and join with our church and serve the Lord through the auspices of this church, that would just be wonderful. We'd love to have you come and join with us. Today's been a great day. We had four folks uh, come uh, today and join our church. We had a great crowd. There was a great spirit in the church. I'm so glad that you're here tonight. The only thing that would make it better, if somebody here tonight would stand and and make a strong decision to take the next step with the Lord Jesus. If you do that tonight, don't be bashful at all. Just slip out and come forward and take a stand for him who stood for you. Let's stand together as we sing.